0: Today's message is a very clear challenge to take a chance at being generous. No matter where you are, no matter where you are today, to take a chance at being generous. If you've got your Bibles, or if you've got if you've got a smartphone, um, be sure and, and take out your phone. Turn to the, to the North Point app. If you haven't got the app, you can download it. Look for North Point with the little green arrow on it, um, and and there uh, you can follow along in the scripture. Um, if you if you want to use a Bible and don't have one with you, take it out of the back of the pew in front of you. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to look at several sets of Scripture that are in chapter 8 and, uh, and chapter 9. Paul writes, um, uh, this follower of Jesus, writes to this church that was a messed up church. It had all kinds of problems. But he writes talking about the impact that some other churches have had on their church in a, in a time of need. Listen to these words uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. He's talking about the churches that are in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. For in a severe test of affliction, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in, all, in our love for you. See that you excel in this grace, this grace of giving, this grace of generosity also. then if you just flip the page and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul continues and says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you don't plant much seed, you won't have much harvest. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Here's the the, the heart of the message today I want to encourage you to, to take a chance at being generous. Maybe for the first time, maybe in a way that you never have before, to take a chance at being generous because of who God is. Uh, let me just kind of frame that. What's that look like? What's it look like to be generous? generous generosity is freely giving your wealth, your possessions, your, um, your abilities, your, uh, your time for others, freely giving that so that they can use it in whatever way is necessary. Generosity is, it's, it's giving what you have away and not expecting anything in return. Generosity, understand that generosity is a matter of our heart and not a matter of the amount of money that we're talking about. You may be here today and, and be thinking, you know what, in my, in my bank account, I'm down to inside $20, maybe less than that. How can I be generous? understand that generosity isn't about the the amount of money it's about the condition of our hearts cuz god gives us god gives all of us resources that we can use for his kingdom resources that we can use to bless others and we need to be generous with those resources understand one last thing just in in terms of kind of shaping the whole conversation of generosity Being generous is not determined by whether or not the recipient of your generosity is worthy of that gift. Let me say that again. Being being generous is not determined by whether the recipient of your generosity is worthy of that gift. I worked with a guy for 12 years in in, uh, Rockville, Maryland, a good friend, and and, um, when we moved there, I was 25 years old, and I can remember a lesson that he taught because it happened over and over again. The church that we served was on a very busy road in in Rockville, about 12 miles north of the capital. We had a lot of drop-in traffic at the church, a a lot of people who would come and ask for help. And we had, a, we had a great system by which we tried to determine how we could be good stewards of the money that we had to use for benevolence. But I can remember Ken saying to me these words. He said, I'd rather give and be taken advantage of than not give and miss a chance to help someone in true need in the name of Jesus. You believe that? I'd rather give and be taken advantage of than not give and miss a chance to help take care of somebody's need in the name of Jesus. That's what generosity looks like. Generosity says, it doesn't matter what the, what the person on the other end is, is doing. I'm going to give because God has blessed me with resources to be able to do so. Let me share four just concepts with you and then a challenge uh, in today's message. Uh, the, the, the concepts are this. First concept, generosity reflects the nature of God. Generosity reflects reflects the nature of God. When we sang this morning, particularly the last two songs, did you have this sense of how great God is and how much He loves you? Do you, do you understand that we don't deserve that at all? There's not anything that I can do that, that would make me worth the love that God has for me. And when when I turn my back on Him, God continues to walk with me and love me no matter what. God is an incredibly generous God. He gave his son, he allowed his son to leave his presence and come to earth for me and for you. God is an incredibly generous God. Generosity reflects the nature of God. Generosity also paints a picture of the gospel. When, when we live out generous lives, when we do that in our worlds, it shows the world around what the gospel really looks like because God gave His Son to people that didn't deserve it. And when we're generous to people who don't deserve it, it creates this picture for the world that they can't understand and that they're trying to process because it, it proves the reality of the gospel in your life. So last week, sponsored Compassion Kids, uh, Jake said can still sponsor kids, talk to Amy out at the booth afterwards, 60 kids or so. If you, if you sponsor a, a child through Compassion, a, a child in another part of the world, and you take their picture, and you have it up on your refrigerator, or you have it on your desk in your office, and somebody comes by in, in your office and says, what's that kid? That, that kid doesn't look like you. Well, you know, what's the deal? And you say, oh, this is my child. This is Maria. She's from Ecuador. My family is, is helping sponsor her. We're, we're given money so that she gets her medical needs met, her physical needs met, her spiritual needs met, um, her educational needs met. It's making a difference in her life and in the life of her family. And the person says, how much is that costing? Uh, it's costing about $500 a year. Why would you do that? Why, why would you take that step and do that for a kid that you don't know that you may never see. All of a sudden, it creates the opportunity to have a conversation about a God who loves us in spite of our unworthiness. It demonstrates the gospel in a way that the world can understand it. It paints a picture that's, that's crazy. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my wife, Deb, who's wonderful, we have these conversations often because she's great. She came home and she said, um, I did something today. I hope you're okay with it. Anybody ever had that kind of conversation before? Um, And I said, well, I'm sure I am. Tell me about it. She said, I went to the fabric store, and I was buying fabric. And while I was looking at this fabric that I wanted to buy, there was this little kid, five years old. I'm talking to this kid, just getting down, talking to him. It was really fun. And his mom was there going through the fabric, trying to figure out what she was going to buy. And I could hear her counting up. OK, it's this much per yard. I need this many yards. It's going to be this amount of money going through the whole process. Deb said, so I'm talking to this kid, went, went on, did my stuff. It came time to check out. And when I went to check out, that lady was there with her child right in front of me. And, um, and she went through the stuff, and she didn't have enough money to buy what she needed. I knew that she'd been counting it up, going through the whole process. Um, and she said, so what I did was I didn't just, so the, she's talking to the cashier, put some fabric back. If you know fabric stores, that's a no-no. You know, once it's been cut, that's not a good thing. She puts it back, and, and um, Deb says, can I buy that fabric for you? And she said, no, you don't need to do that. I can come back later. Deb says, no, let me buy that fabric. And then Deb tells me, I didn't just buy what she couldn't afford. I bought it all for her. Um, I said, that's pretty cool. And then she, she said, I, I went down and talked to this little boy and said, I bought your mom some fabric. And the lady said, we're starting this business. We're, we, we don't have enough money to do what we're doing. We need that. You can't, you can't imagine what kind of impact that's going to make. Generosity demonstrates the gospel to the world in a way that's incredibly powerful. When we live that out, when we, when, when we hoard our stuff. It's a disconnect for our belief in Jesus. Do you understand that? Um, Generosity, third point is this. Generosity demonstrates our trust in God. When we're generous, when we take the resources that God has given us and we begin to give them freely to other people, it demonstrates that we trust that God is going to provide all of our needs and that He's going to resupply whatever it is That we give away, right? Because why aren't we generous? The reason that we're not generous is because we think, if I give this away, I'll never have it again. I'm going to need that sometime, right? And when when we live out generosity, we declare to ourselves and to those people around us, God is able to resupply every need that I have. God is able to do that. In that passage of scripture that I read to the church at Corinth in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, he says, you know what? These churches were persecuted and they were poor. They didn't have any resources to give at all. They gave what they were able and even beyond that. One of those churches was the church in Philippi, in a town called Philippi. And Paul wrote this to the Philippian church. He said, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I I love how the message translates that. It, it, It says, You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need, His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Christ Jesus. There is this incredible opportunity for us when we are generous to say, God, I trust that you will take care of every one of my needs. Everything I have comes from you anyway but I'm gonna trust that you'll give back to me what I'm giving out. Last thing is this, generosity. Understand understand that generosity is better for me and for you than living a self-centered life. Generosity makes my life better. Over the last 10 or 15 years, psychologists have done a number of studies to to look at different, um, different attributes and how they impact people in their lives. One of the things that they discovered was that people who were generous, people who were generous um, were far more likely to be happy, to be in good health, to have a reason to live. They were less likely to be depressed, and, and they were more likely to, to be growing personally, no matter what their age was, because of their generosity. Generosity. One of the studies said that people who volunteered, people who gave financially, who gave a little, that they were blessed, that their lives were better, a little bit better, because they gave, because they didn't hold on to all their stuff. But the thing that was interesting was they found that people who gave a lot, people who gave comparatively to other people, more and more and more, people who gave like the churches that Paul describes beyond their ability, that their, that their level of happiness, their level of physical health, their level of purpose for living, their lack of depression was so much greater than the general population, it was incredible. When we live generously, all of a sudden we see the world with different eyes. Generous people are joyful, hopeful, and trusting. Generous people are joyful, hopeful, and trusting. Now, here's the question. Are they joyful, hopeful, and trusting, and therefore generous? Or are they generous first? And that results in their being joyful, hopeful, and trusting. I think it's the second. I think that as we choose to be generous, God fills us with this this incredible sense of joy and hope and trust. Let me say this, if you fight depression, if you have a sour disposition, if people don't like to be around you, the prescription is to start being generous, to start giving freely of your time, to giving freely of your ideas at work, to start giving freely of your financial resources to start giving freely of your abilities because we are all, at our core, self-centered. At our core, we all look out for number one. It's uh, it's a part of our human nature, right? Um, uh, Last week I mentioned that at group last Sunday night, our, our service that we have for junior and senior high kids that meets at six o'clock on Sunday nights, that there was gonna be a special guest that was gonna come. Her name was, uh, her name was Tabitha Nettle, high school senior from Maslin, Ohio. Um, Tabitha sponsors three different compassion kids on her own. Not with help from mom and dad. She babysits, she paints, she has jobs that she, that she does so that she can earn money to sponsor three separate children around the world, $125 a month. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, her, her ability to speak to high school kids was incredible last week. So, uh, so Tabitha's, Tabitha's here. He, she's talking afterwards. I'm talking to her mom, Julie. And um, Julie and Tabitha have had a chance to travel around the world some to, to see Compassion Projects. And, um, and Julie said, you know, I remember so clearly, we were talking about the selfishness that's in us. She said, I remember so clearly being in Ecuador and I had brought a whole bunch of gum to be able to share with kids. So I've got this big crowd of kids around. So I take out my gum, unwrap a piece of of gum, put it in my mouth and take out this gum and begin to to pass a piece of gum to each kid who's around until it was all gone. She said, "I, I felt so great about myself. It was such a cool thing to have all these kids chewing gum and to just enjoy that. She said, until I talked to a compassion worker who was there, who was watching the whole thing. After the kids were gone, the compassion worker said, "Um, do you you understand what you just did? And she said, yeah, I shared my gum. And she said, for children in poverty, they would never choose to take something for themselves first and then give it away. She said, you took the piece of gum and put it in your mouth and then you gave away. She said, what would happen with those kids if, if they were given the gum they would have given all of the gum away to every kid around, and if there was any left, they would have taken a piece. That's so much the opposite of us, isn't it? We think, you know, what I'm going to take care of me first, and then spread stuff around. Um, I, I remember being on a on a mission trip in Honduras, and we took kids from the mountains down into the city into San Pedro Sula to a restaurant to Rey, uh, to Chicken King, and. And these kids, most of them had never been out of the mountains to the city. So they're just kind of goo-goo-eyed looking at everything and never been in a fast food restaurant. We buy them all these two-piece dinners of chicken with the biscuits and the whole deal. And almost every one of those kids ate one piece of chicken and wrapped everything else up to take it home to their family. Um, Generosity deals with that with that selfishness that's inside us and it it changes us it's better for us when we're generous you know um there are two per, two different perspectives on how to go through life for all of us we look forward and we think you know what i've got to get to the point that i can retire or that i'm prepared for whatever's going to come there i'm i live in a but i've got to prepare and do all the stuff that i need to for b right so there are two different perspectives on that some people say some people will say, I've got to get from A to B, and the only way I can get to B, the only way I can do it is to, is to get there with all 100% of my resources. Everything I have is pushing to, to this point to get to this place. That's one way to live. There's another way to live in a different perspective that says, you know what, I've got to get to B too. I want to take care of retirement. I want to, I want to help provide for my kids' education. I, wanted, I want to do all that stuff that's out there that's at B. But I'm going to get there on 90 percent. I'm going to give 10 percent back to God, and I'm going to trust that He resupplies, and He helps me to get to be. Now that concept, that tithe concept is throughout Scripture. It's, it's, in the Old Testament, it's, it's there all over the place. And in, in Malachi chapter three, um, God says, "Test me in this. Try me. See, try and tithe and see what happens. See if I don't unleash the treasures of heaven to help take care of your needs. So this second perspective says, I'm, I'm gonna get to be, but I'm gonna do it on 90% or less of that. And God says, when you do that, I'm gonna take you to a completely different place. It's C. It's a place of incredible blessing, a place that you've got stories of my provision to be able to share and to treasure for the rest of your lives. You know what's interesting is both perspectives... Have the same goal, right? They both want to get to B. The, um, they they both uh, they both take a tremendous amount of planning and hard work. They both face comp- um, competing priorities and decisions that are difficult about how to live out those priorities with the resources they have. And they both think that each other is crazy, right? The the person who says it's going to take all I have to get to there, looks at the other person and says, you think you're going to get there on 90%? You're nuts. And the person who says, I can get there on 90% and trust God to provide for me, you are absolutely crazy to miss what's out here from God and see. You're absolutely crazy to forego that. They both think each other is crazy. And here's the question. Which crazy do you want to be? right? Which crazy do you want to be? Do you want to try and do it all on your own? Or do you want to allow God to supply you to the end and to take you on a ride that's incredible, uh, 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 take you to a place that you'd never experience otherwise? Psalm 112 says this, it's well with the man who deals generously and lends. It's well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Proverbs 22, Whoever has a bountiful eye, a generous eye, will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Proverbs 11, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and he only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself... Be watered. Do you want to deepen your relationship with Jesus? Do you want to go to a place with God that you've maybe never been before? The challenge today is to choose to be generous. Find a way to demonstrate generosity today, this week, in the next couple of weeks. Figure out what that is. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. Let me me just... Let me just prod your mind with a whole bunch of stuff, stories that you've heard about in the news, that kind of thing. Maybe a way to be generous is to just give an incredible trip, uh, in, incredible tip to a waitress or a waiter. Maybe it's to pay somebody's bill that you don't know at a restaurant. Maybe it's somebody in your small group that has a need in your life group. Maybe they've got a, a, a need for the car or a medical need or whatever. And you help take care of that need for them. Maybe you're scared of needles and and, an act of generosity for you, an incredible act of generosity would be to go and give blood to help someone that you don't even know. Maybe it's to mow your neighbor's lawn or to rake their leaves. Maybe it's to find a way, as we talk in our city of Lansing, a way to help some homeless people that are losing the shelter that they have currently. Maybe it's to start giving to North Point or to some other aspect of the kingdom in a a way, at a level, that before today just absolutely seemed ridiculous. It seemed crazy to think about that. Maybe it's to carve time out of your schedule to go see someone who's homebound. Maybe it's to use your skills from work for a nonprofit or to do something on a pro bono basis. Maybe it's to go to a nursing home to talk with a resident that doesn't get any visitors. Maybe it's to be generous to someone who has hurt you deeply in the past. Be incredibly, extravagantly generous with the time, with the talent, with the treasure that God has given you and see what happens. Up on screen, there's a there's a site there, a Dropbox site with passwords and stuff. It's in the app, in the sermon notes in the app. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I would, I, I'm this is a this is a clear challenge, okay? Find a way to be generous. Find a way to be generous, and then share that story this way. Um, easiest thing to do would be to just simply do a selfie, you know, put it on video, tell your story to the camera, and then and then just upload that. So, so that we can see it. What I'd like to do at the end of the series is just share some stories of, of how generosity has impacted our lives here at North Point, the ways that God has led you to do that. You can write it down if you want and just upload it that way. But take a step to be generous and then share that story, not so that you get lots of, of, of kudos, not so that anybody will sing your praises, but so that we can sing the praises of God together. And how God has moved us, generosity is a lifestyle it 's not a one time act it 's a lifestyle that's that 's created by lots of one time acts piled on top of each other over and over again. There are four questions for me that that as I just try and bring this home and, and try and make sense of it, that are difficult questions four questions for all of us to consider: what makes me want to be generous? Why is it that I want to be generous? Second question, what keeps me from being generous? What stops that in me? Third question, how does my generosity or lack of generosity affect other people in my life? How does my generosity or lack of generosity affect others? Last question, how does my generosity or my lack of generosity affect me? What's what's the difference that that makes to me? In 1999, uh, Stephen King, the author uh, of the whole that whole genre genre of books that he writes, um, was walking down a road in um, in the Northeast, and a car the driver of car was distracted by his dog, and he was he was uh, Stephen King was hit and nearly killed. A couple of years later, he wrote this article in Family Circle that I think is incredible in terms of his insight i don't believe stephen king is a follower of jesus but his insight is incredible this is what he wrote a couple of years ago i found out what you can't take it with you means i found out while i was lying in a ditch at the side of the country uh, at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood and with the tibia of my right leg poking out at the side of my jeans like a branch of a tree taken down in a thunderstorm i had a mastercard in my wallet but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. We all know that life is ephemeral, but on that particular day and in the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at life's simple backstage truths. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed when we go out, but we're just as broke. Warren Buffett, going out broke. Bill Gates, going out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. Stephen King, broke. Not a crying dime. All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that is mostly smoke and mirrors. It's still going to be a quarter past getting late, whether you tell time on a Timex or a Rolex. No matter how large your bank account, no matter how many credit cards you have, sooner or later things will begin to go wrong with the only three things you have that you can really call your own your body, your spirit, and your mind. So I want you to consider taking your life one long uh, of, I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All you have is on loan anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. Yes, charity begins at home. Those of you who pay for the college educations of your sons and daughters do a wonderful thing. If you're able to give them a further start in life, a place in business, help with a home, so much the better. Because charity begins at home. Because up to a certain point, at least, we're all responsible for the lives that we bring into the world. Imagine, though, a nice little backyard surrounded by a board fence. Dad, a pleasant fellow, a little plump, is tending the barbecue. Mom and the kids are setting the picnic table. Fried chicken, coleslaw, potato salad, a chocolate cake for dessert. And standing around the fence looking in are emaciated men and women, starving children. They are silent. They only watch. That family at the picnic is us. That backyard is America, and those hungry people on the other side of the fence watching us sit down to eat include far too much of the rest of the world. Asia and the subcontinent, countries in Central Europe where people live on the edge from one harvest to the next, South America where they're burning down the rainforest, most of all Africa where AIDS is pandemic, starvation's a fact of life. It's not a pretty picture, but we have the power to help, the power to change, and why should we refuse because we're going to take it with us, please. Giving isn't about the receiver or the gift, but the giver. It's for the giver. One doesn't open one's wallet to improve the world, although it's nice when that happens. One does it to improve oneself. I give, listen to this, Stephen King, I give because it's the only concrete way I have of I'm saying I'm glad to be alive. And I can earn my daily bread doing what I love. Giving is a way of taking the focus off the money we make and putting it back where it belongs on the lives that we lead, the families we raise, the communities that nurture us. I don't know that Stephen King is a follower of Jesus because I think if if he was, he would have added some to that picture. Understand that we experience the exact same backyard that he described spiritually. For many of us, we feast on the goodness of God And we're surrounded in our world by people who look in longingly because we haven't shared generously our time, our talent, our treasure, our trust with them. If I had a million dollars, if you have a million dollars, understand that you're not taking any of it with you when you die. So what are you going to do with it? My encouragement is to be generous. If you don't have a million dollars, I want to encourage you to be generous with what you have. I started the message by saying there are two things you need to know about monopoly. You can never win the game of monopoly holding on to your money, hoarding that money. That's not how you win. You can never do it. You can only win it by using that money for the right things at the right time. And that's our challenge with what God has given us. The the second thing that I told you about Monopoly is that you can never win without taking a chance. I want to encourage you real directly to not walk away today and say, oh, that was a good message. Yeah, I need to remember that. I want to encourage you to figure out a way, a concrete way, to take a chance to begin to be generous in a way that you never have before. Let's pray. God, God, as I as I've been talking, I just keep thinking about how much we have, how much stuff, how much money, God, how much ability that we have, and how easy it is for us to think that we've earned it, that we've created it, that it's all ours, and that we need to sit on it. Help us, God. Help us see places that we can be generous. Help us to hear your Holy Spirit. And help us, God, to trust you to supply every need that we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.